0: Welcome to the uh, Notion podcast uh, for the undergraduate philosophy journal as part of the uh, Philosophy Society, University of Exeter. Um, welcome, uh, I'm here to welcome uh, Dr. Edward Skidowski who is here today to talk to us about uh, virtue ethics. Um, so, we should we begin? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the history of virtue ethics and what it means as an ethical theory?
1: Yes, I'm 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 happy to. Uh, so. I think the label virtue ethics is a fairly recent one. probably doesn't uh, date back more than 20 or 30 years, but the thing itself has been around for millennia. It's, um, in fact, all, all ethics really was, was virtue ethics until the 17th or 18th century, I guess, when you get the rise of modern ethical theory. Um, but if you, if you look at any of the great works of ancient or medieval ethics... Um, they tend to be structured around the virtues and sometimes also the vices rather than around obligations or rules. So, so it's, uh, it's the original form of ethics in the, in the Western world and I should add in many other parts of the world as well. Um, look at uh, Chinese or Indian ethics, what you tend to get a list of virtues and vices uh, rather than abstract rules or principles.
0: So what? I've learnt about it is that it's, it was mostly made famous by Aristotle, and didn't he have this list of, of, kind of uh, excesses and deficiencies, and then there was the golden mean. Uh, can you explain how someone might interpret that or might use that as an ethical theory?
1: So that, that's, um, uh, yeah, the idea you're referring to is uh, doctrine of the mean, as it's called. This is the idea that every virtue can be represented as a, a mean. Uh, between two vices, uh, a vice of deficiency and a vice of excess. In other words, it it represents the correct amount of some quality of which you can have either too little or too much. Okay. Whatever that quality is, it varies from virtue to virtue. So, for instance, um, being courageous is having is, is 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 having the right amount of fear in any given context. Being cowardly is having too much fear. And being rash or foolhardy is having too little fear. It works rather well with courage. It um, doesn't work so well with other virtues and vices. Um, so ho- Honesty, for instance, it's not quite clear what the excess of honesty would be. Can you be yeah, too truthful? Mm.
0: Some people might be.
1: Well, you can, you can, you can be ina- inappropriately truthful, of course, um,
0: dress looks horrible
1: on yeah but i, I it's, not, it's, it's not it's not clear that you know in general you can be too truthful it's um so it's it's it's, it's um, i guess generally thought to be one of the weaker parts of aristotle's ethical theory um, and most aristotelians even would reject it it
0: did, it did seem to uh, gradually fall out of favor and then there was like a resurgence in the 20th century wasn't there uh, it became suddenly very popular again
1: um, yeah, I mean, the resurgence is generally thought to have begun with um, the publication of a famous article by Elizabeth Anscombe um, called uh, uh, "Modern Moral Philosophy" in nineteen fifty eight, I think. Uh, and that's yeah, generally seen as marking the the you know, the, the rebirth of virtue ethics. Um, Anscombe was a very strict Catholic, um, so the approach was at first you know identified as a, as a sort of Catholic. Approach and and yeah, still Catholics are quite prominent, but it's 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 spread more broadly now. There, are, you know, many you know non-Catholic, non-Christian virtue ethicists, um, many non-Aristotelian virtue ethicists. Uh, you know, people who draw more on Pume perhaps or more on the Stoics. So it's it's uh, yeah. Some people have questioned whether it's a useful label at all. Um, yeah, I think I
0: think it seems to me that it's become quite popular. I mean, I have to admit, I'm, I'm a secret utilitarian. So <laughs> nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> no, no. But, um, do you think that? Do you think there's a reason why it's become quite popular? Do you think people become disillusioned with um, other forms of ethical theories, namely deontology the and, and consequentialism?
1: Yeah, I think. Well, there was. Suddenly what originally drew a lot of people to it was the thought that. Yeah, the various forms of Kantianism and utilitarianism were too abstract and dry and disconnected from uh people's, you know lives. I mean the you know, the 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 real texture of moral life. Um um because yeah, when when we actually assess people's characters and actions, we, we don't generally say things like, you know, so and so is immoral or so-and-so has acted wrongly. Um you know we generally say things like you know that was a uh, you know an underhand thing to do or that was a kind thing to do in other words, we use virtue advice terms, um you know maybe not the classical virtues and vices, but, but modern equivalents um you know most most ethical judgments were of that sort um, and Kantianism and utilitarianism seem to have very little to say about those kinds of judgments Th- thick ethical judgments as they 're called um so it was seen as a more um uh, realistic and, uh, yeah, humanly rich, kind of ethical theory.
0: Yeah, I think when you when you look at some of the 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 older uh, the virtues, as you said, I think some of them don't always seem to apply to us in the in the twenty first century. I mean, we don't tend to uh, value uh, at least in our society. Um, I think things like chastity and impurity. I think to a certain extent they are valued, but they're not essential. Um, it's kind of okay to be a little bit more promiscuous. I think in our liberal society. Do you think that that we can come up with a list of virtues in a society where we have quite a strong pluralism in terms of points of view and ways
1: mm. of life? <coughs> yeah, of course some. Um yeah, chastity is a controversial virtue because it is a specifically Christian virtue. Um, uh, and the word itself really um, was first popularized by Christians. It didn't exist in pre-Christian antiquity. Um, and it's tended to sort of fade from public life with, with, the, with the decline of Christianity itself. Although still it's... Although people don't use the word ch- chaste, they do use, I've noticed, its, it's negative counterparts... Words like, you know, slu- sluttish yeah. and so forth. Those are still very popular, which implies that they do still <coughs> have some notion of chastity there in the background. But it's not very respectable, I agree. Um Yeah, I mean um I mean pluralism I think is a is a problem not just for virtue ethics but for any form of any ethical theory. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean it's certainly a problem for Kantianism, which uh, is is as absolute a, an ethical theory as you can get? Um, so I think I think that that that's a you know a, a general problem confronting any any kind of normative ethics.
0: So I know that your one of your main research areas is is virtual ethics. So could you tell us a little bit more about your personal interest in the area? Do you feel like it's an ethical theory we should adopt, or is it just one that's quite interesting to? to observe in terms of there still seem to be virtuous hangovers in our in our language, our
1: ethical language. yeah i think that that's a good phrase virtuous hangovers I, there are there are many of them i think we're we're, we're much more uh we're still you know, much more prone to think in terms of virtues and vices than we ourselves perhaps acknowledge um, um although we do so in a slightly roundabout way um I think the important thing to realize about you know, historical virtue ethics is that it, it wasn't primarily a theory, it was a, it was a practice. Um, I've just been writing about this at the moment as part of my latest book. What I've discovered is that be, being a philosopher in the ancient world was primarily a matter of living in a certain way, um, of practicing the virtues, um, also of learning about them theoretically, but that was secondary. You, you learnt about the virtues in order to be virtuous um, uh, but you might call someone a philosopher, even if he'd never actually studied philosophy just because he lived the philosophical life um, and and this had some quite sort of amusing features, so for instance, philosophers were expected to have beards um, and i 've just read about one uh, philosopher, a beardless philosopher who's actually turned down for a chair of philosophy on the grounds that he didn 't have a beard. And, and it was said that none of his students would take him seriously. Um, so it was much more, uh, you know, an identity, you know, an existential choice, if you like, rather than a, a job, as it's become today. Um, so you, so you learned about the virtues in the context of becoming a virtuous person, and that was crucial. Um, of course, the modern university doesn't really allow for that. Um, so virtue ethics has necessarily, you know, become another, you know, Academic moral theory, alongside all the other academic moral theories, but that goes against the grain, I think. Yeah,
0: is it? That's interesting. We feel a bit disappointed. I can't grow a beard. <laughs> True.
1: It, do, do it, does, it does. It does rule out women from becoming philosophers. <laughs> yes. Maybe that was
0: the idea.
1: Um, I don't know. There, there were a few. Um, uh, Epicurus um, had many female followers. Uh, Plato even had a couple, but they had to pretend to be men.
0: With virtue ethics, um, I remember you did a talk uh, to do with vice ethics as well—the kind mm. of the flip side of that. Um, is there, with with virtue ethics, I think there's, there seems to me more of a focus on on the what what we should do rather than what we shouldn't do. Um, do you think that we should focus on both? If we were to live like a philosopher, should we? Mm. Be aware
1: of what we should not do as well as... Yes, I think so. I mean, you're right. Traditionally, the focus has been on the virtues and not the vices. I think the assumption's been that you can deal with the vices just as, you know, flip sides of the virtues. Um, and that's certainly the implication of Aristotle's doctrine of the mean. You know, a vice is just, you know, absence of or excess of some quality, the mean of which is virtue. Um, so you don't need an independent theory of the vices. They, they come together with the virtues. I I think that's wrong, actually. I think they're they're quite independent of one another. Um, So there's no reason to expect your catalogue of virtues to line up with your catalogue of vices. Um, And, in fact, in the Middle Ages, uh, what I found is that um, you had the seven so-called cardinal and theological virtues. These were wisdom, justice courage, and temperance, the four cardinal virtues from the ancient world, plus the three theological virtues from the New Testament, faith, hope, and charity. So seven virtues in all. But then you also had um, the seven capital vices, or deadly sins as they're sometimes called, which was a completely independent catalogue. Um, it originated in 4th century AD Egypt. No relation to the seven cardinal and theological virtues These were pride, envy, avarice, sloth, um, wrath, gluttony, and lust. So as you can see, they don't match up with the virtues. Um, And this was a major headache for for medieval philosophers, because they thought, look, you've got seven virtues, you've got seven vices. Surely they're going to correlate, but they couldn't correlate them. but um, what, I, what I argued in that, that talk I gave is that you shouldn't expect them to correlate um, because they're very different kinds of things. Um, but the vices are important. Um, um, I think it's, it's, it's important to realise that vice is not just the absence of a virtue. It can be a, a, a positive motive in its own right, something something active.
0: What kind of reasons do <coughs> you, uh, uh, virtue ethicists give um, for for following a virtuous life because i find that the i think that the vices are far more enticing than the virtues i mean i very much enjoy being a slothful and, and gluttonous um and i'm quite happy to live like that uh, what incentive is there to to be a virtuous person when it's a lot nicer to be a a, a person full of vice
1: well i think I think if you if you really understand what the vices are, you wouldn't say that. Um, I mean, I think I think um, yeah, we we sometimes talk about the vices, you know, in inverted commas, uh, you, know, uh, you know, eating a bit too much chocolate cake or something. That's that's not real. That's not real gluttony. I and mean, real gluttony is is not a good state to be in. Um, and, the, and the same with sloth. Uh, they are. You know, death to the soul, as, as it used to be said, um, um, whereas the virtues, on the other hand, are you know the qualities that make for you know, living well for for a good life um, they 're constitutive of it they 're not just means to it they they actually constitute it, uh, so to have the virtues is is to to live a good and happy life um, so that that 's their justification they, they need no further justification; they may also be socially useful. And indeed, they you know they they normally are, but 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 their justification isn't to be uh, sought in any in instrumental terms. It's 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 uh, they're intrinsically valuable. Uh, now you discussed earlier the uh, the concept of practicing one's esse- uh, ethical series. Uh, Would you say that this should be encouraged more? Within the uh, uh, this cold analytic tradition, which universities find themselves in, well, well I, it'd be very hard to because I mean, you know, the modern university does enforce this strict division of the you know the professional and the private, um, not just in philosophy but across the board. So so for instance they, you know we have this practice of double blind review so when you send off an article to the journal the people who review it don't know who the author is and the author doesn't know who's reviewing it um so they can't you know point out any mismatch between you know what what the writer says and what he or she does um uh and he, you know he, even if they could guess the identity of the author it would be very bad form to say look this philosopher doesn't practice what he preaches um okay, that would be in fact, regarded as a as an argumentative fallacy, the ad hominem fallacy. I mean, you just don't do that. Um, so, you know, theory is one thing, practice is another. Um, and that's just part of the sort of sociological uh, situation of the discipline. Um, and um, it'd be very hard to change it, I think, without setting up some completely new type of institution, you know, something closer to a church or a monastery. <laughs> Um, or theological college, but in the modern secular university, you're just not going to be able to do that. Of course, people, you know, philosophers do have their own you know, private sort of practices. Um, uh, I, I think many of the, you know, the people who teach Stoicism in uh, modern universities do actually try to live like a Stoic. Um, in fact, there's a, it's interesting. You mention it. There, there is a, now a movement to revive Stoicism, not just as a, you know. Academic study, but as a, as an actual, you know, guide to life, um, some of the people in this university are very much involved with that. They put on a, a live like a stoic week every year. Um, so so how how do you describe uh, contemporary uh, research into virtue ethics? Um, well, it's 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 very diverse, as I said. Um, you have lots of different uh, types of virtue ethicists. So you have. Yeah, you, know, you do have quite a few Catholics still, like Alistair McIntyre, um, and uh, you know other other Christian virtue ethicists, um, Sophie Grace Chapel, who's coming to give a talk in a few months. Um, yeah, is is an evangelical Christian. Then you have quite a lot of secular virtue ethicists. Um, um, you have Aristotelians, you have Stoics, Neo Stoics. Um, uh, you also have. Um, People who sort of try to, yeah, synthesise um, ideas from virtue ethics together with more liberal ideas like Martha Nussbaum. Um, so it's 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 a diverse field. Um, it's it's not dominant. I I, I I'm in, in purely quantitative terms. I imagine that most moral philosophers in British universities would uh, not describe themselves as virtue ethicists. They would be some variety of you know, utilitarian or a you know, rights theorist, yeah. so it's it's still minority.
0: coming um. back to the, the the Stoic movement, do you think mm. people, <coughs> do you think students, especially, should should try and um, practice that their philosophy? is probably better in 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 ethics. Try and practice moral theories in order to get a better grasp of what it is to to follow or to, to
1: live like as they are. I think I think they contain lots of, you know, wonderful advice. I've um and I've been reading um some of the essays of Plutarch, who was a 2nd century AD Greek essayist and philosopher and uh yeah, they're full of, you know, marvelous wisdom and advice. You know, much of which is very relevant still today. Um um Patrick Usher, he's a PhD student here at Exeter, uh, gave a talk on this not long ago. And um, he quoted a, a passage from Cicero or Seneca, I think it was, about the importance of having some time to yourself where you're not interrupted. And he said that um, yeah, in the modern world, one way to put this into practice would be to just not check your emails for, you know, a few hours every day. Just have some time where you're not checking your emails. Because emails are the main, you know, source of interruption in the modern world, the main source of distraction. So, you know, which I think is an excellent idea. Um, so, yeah, they're, 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 they're full of, uh, you know, wisdom. And the trouble is that, that whole area has been kind of colonised by what you might call self-help literature. <laughs> so it's seen as a bit sort of murky and, you know, academically, you know, not respectable, um, and so you know, more philosophers have tended to shy away from it. Um, but I think you know, if if, if you think of ethics in, in, in the broader sense as being about how to live well, you know, not just about your rights and obligations, but about how to live a good life, then yeah, that would all be very much part of ethics, and we should think about it seriously. Do you think
0: it's it's hard for for people in the twenty first century to to try and reach this ideal of living well, um, just because we've got, we've got so many different pressures nowadays, we have to find a career, um, find a money house, and then we've got the social pressures of settling down, having children, um.
1: Well, we've always had those pressures. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, th- I think, um, you know, it's a bit of a myth that, you know, modern life is uniquely pressured and anxious, um. Absolutely, uh, there's a lot of interest in this. I, I mean, you know, if you go to bookshops, you know, the the, some the mind, body, spirit section is is uh, huge, and it's full of, yeah, self help, uh, East sad, Eastern philosophy, and the
0: philosophy section is just one bookshelf, and then self help will be two or
1: three. Mm. Um, but what what I'm saying is that you know, philosophers should, you know, see themselves as having something to say about how to live well. It's um you know it's it's not as if you know philosophy is over here and self help is over there you know and virtue ethics is an ethics of self help if you like i'd have to live well so um you know we should we should we should try and think you know seriously and rigorously about all this and not just leave it to cranks and charlatans i think
0: that's i think that's quite a positive note to to end on thank you yeah. for for joining us this has been a fantastic first podcast very exciting Hopefully it will be one of many podcasts. Hopefully.
1: Hopefully, yeah. It it is the most virtuous thing to do. If you'd like to find out more about this podcast and the journal in general, visit our website at excellentnotion.wordpress.com or send us an email at excellentnotion at gmail.com. Our call for papers is currently out and will close on the 31st of March 2016.